Uh, teachers going up, we're not going to be that long, so don't worry about it. We're, we're still going to end on time. Everybody said amen? Yeah. All right. So why don't we open in a closing word of prayer and we'll be done today, right? <laughs> it's good to see you. Those that are joining us by live stream or joining us later, my name is Rob and I serve as one of the pastors here. And we're talking about hot topics. And um, this week, we're specifically talking about the fact that life matters. Uh, I don't know if you read the news this week. Maybe you've decided not to look at the news anymore just because it's usually depressing. Uh, but this week we saw something, something pretty, pretty important happen in the Supreme Court. Uh, we saw Roe versus Wade uh, being overturned at the federal level, which now puts it back in the original hands of the states. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke to one of my friends who runs a crisis pregnancy center in uh, Philadelphia, and I said, you know, I'm preaching on, on life on Sunday, and this was uh, planned for a while. We're not preaching just because of this would happen this week. And, and I was asking her, you know, what are some of the things that we should be uh, sharing with the church uh, this week as far as now, how, how do we pray? Is, is this whole thing over now because this thing got overturned? And, and you and I both know it, it's, never, it's never that easy because people still sin. Uh, we still live in a broken world. There's still people who need us, uh, to, for us to be there for them, no matter, you know, what our political leanings are. And I want you to, uh, the overarching theme of what I want to share with you very briefly today is the idea of what it actually means to have a biblical pro-life position. So we're not talking about a political one. We're not talking about grandstanding. We're not talking about the fights. I'm just talking about what does it mean to line up with God and his word when he says that life is important? Because that's, that's where we need to be. We need to understand that God views life as important from before we're born and to eternity. That this idea of life matters to God. And if life matters to God, then life needs to matter to us. And it's real easy. And I know if you've, if you've been trolling the internet or just staying on social media and you've seen uh, things being said from all sides of all different aisles of what this means and how it messes up things for some people and how we can now use this to see other things overturned. And I want us just for a brief moment to stop thinking about what can happen politically and let's just think about what does this mean for us because life matters. Because the decision of the Supreme Court shouldn't change or now augment what we believe about life. We should have always believed that life mattered, right? And if life has always mattered, what does that mean? Whose lives matter? Is it just black lives that matter? Is it just Puerto Rican lives that matter? Or, or is it all lives that matter? Is it blue lives that matter? Life matters. The value of a human soul, no matter where they are, matters to God. And it's interesting that, we've, that you know, we have swallowed the Kool-Aid of what it means sometimes to, to live in a country that, that, that is politically divided, that we forget the main issue, that life is what's important. And so the thing I want to share with you is this, that as we talk about how God views life from Genesis chapter 1, I want us to think about what that means when it comes to uh, the life of an unborn child, what it means for the life of someone who is on the other side about to step out into eternity, what it means for our neighbor next door, what it means about the person that we disagree with. What does it mean if we, are value, if we value life? 
And one of the major principles of the word of God that you see in Genesis chapter 1 that we're about to read is the fact that the reason why human life is so valuable to God is because out of everything that God created and said was good, God said that human beings were not just the culmination of his creation, but they were, they were given a special place. They were given a soul because they were made in the image of who? God. And this idea of us being made, this biblical truth of us being made in the image of God is why life is so important and why every person, every soul is so important to God that it should transform the way that we view people, whether we agree with them or not, it should transform the way that we view people who aren't even completely developed in the womb yet. It, it's, it's, it's interesting that as long as it's out of sight, it's out of mind for us. And that's, that's the problem. And so sometimes we focus in on a particular group or we focus in on a particular area and we decide whether that life is valuable, whether that's important. Where I'm here to tell you the word of God places value on every life, every life. And so how do we as believers now respond if the word of God says that every life is important? So I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and let's please stand in respect for the reading of God's word. And for some of us who grew up in church, this is a pretty familiar passage of scripture, but I want, I want you to allow the spirit of God to resonate with you with just some fresh oil about what God did in creation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. There was an evening, and there was a morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters separating water from water. So God made the expanse that, and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And so, and God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and called the gathering of water. He called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to all their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening and morning came the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and days and years. And there will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the, on the earth, to rule the day and night and separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening and morning came the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse. So God created large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. And he also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then the morning, 
the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife according to their kinds, and it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, and they will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and he created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the, on the earth. And, all, and God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface on the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be fruit for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for fruit. And it was so. For food, it was so. God saw that all that he made, and it was in very good indeed. Evening and morning came the sixth day. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks for standing. You can be seated. What does God, what does God actually think about life? That, that, that's the question. What does God think about life? Because if we are able to see in the word of God what, what God actually thinks about life, we're able to understand then what God thinks about the taking of life. We understand what God, how God views life. We're able then to understand what is our position as human beings when it comes to life. Throughout the entire Old Testament, we see as foundations of society are started, as, as society starts coming together, human governments have, have taken uh, the, the, the place of being able to stand in the place and, and with the guidance through the heart of God controlling the heart of kings and nations, that, that nations are, start organizing things inside of society. So there's no anarchy. There's, we see countries. We see nation states. We see all of things, things happen. But even to this day, we know that there are basic things that governments do. There are basic things that, that human beings understand. And we know that the government is supposed to do certain things, and there's a lot of things that government should not do. But one of the main things that the government is supposed to do is to establish the protection of life, to establish laws and order. These, these are the basics of society, to make sure that, that everything is done decently and in order, the way the Bible says, and one of the things that we've seen progress or actually regress and we've seen things just have new meanings and new definitions is whether something is alive or not. So in order to keep whatever the government does as protection, they, we change the definition of life itself. So now all of a sudden life doesn't begin there. It begins here or whenever mom decides life begins. So now we've gone from science to now being an opinion, now being science. And, you know, we get, we get mad. We get so frustrated with people who are, who are pro-choice, and we, we get so upset. But do you realize we do that all the time? You and I take this, the word of God, and we just rip it up to shreds and make it say whatever we want it to say, depending on what we care about. 
And one of the things that we have to be sure of is that the Bible is clear that God values all life at all stages. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. It doesn't matter what we feel or even what our circumstances. God loves souls. And he creates everything we see in Genesis chapter 1. In the culmination of all his creation, he creates man and woman. And one of the things that, that we see just really clearly from the very beginning, when God creates the universe, you see that there's order, you see that it's time, you see that it is in six literal days. You see that everything is made in order, everything is made in its time. When it, gets to, when, it, when it gets to nature, when it gets to animals, you see that they're created in their, in, with their own kind. You see that they're made to reproduce from the very beginning. But then when it gets to human beings, the Bible says, and God gives more commentary through the writing of Moses, he says, what about man? He says that man is going to be made different. He's made in the image of God, right? And so he created man in his own image. He created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. And then he tells them what? That they will be basically in charge and they will be stewards of everything else that he created. So think about where God places the value of human life. He puts them in charge of everything that he said was good, he now puts them in charge of this. And he puts them in the position to have a man and a woman to be able to do what? To be fruitful and to multiply and to, and to replenish the earth. The, 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 the focus of life that it's not just life in one generation. God wants the reproduction of life to happen. God wants this to continue. And so when we look at what, why God brought forth life was to bring glory to him and he does it through his creation. He does it through man having the image of God. So having this place, having this place of honor, of being made in the image of God, is the, is the bedrock principle why we believe life is important. And you know, the thing is, you and I know, whether we know Jesus or not, you and I know from a very young age that when things are right and wrong. You know that. You know from a very young age that if mom says don't take a cookie out of the cookie jar, it, this is not an option, right? We don't, we don't do certain things. We know growing up that, you know, killing somebody is not the right thing, right? We know even for the most part, except those of us who grew up in Brooklyn, beating up somebody isn't the right thing to do. We know it. Society knows it. Government knows it. We, play, we put rules and regulations in place because we know certain things are right and certain things are wrong. So what has happened to our society that we, that we now understood, that we now want to fundamentally change things that we knew before? The first problem is this isn't new with our society. This isn't new with our generation. This is as old as the serpent telling Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Did God say you can't eat this fruit? No, this has been happening from the very beginning that we change what the Bible makes certain. We change what the Bible makes clear to the point now that we try to change the fundamentals of science in order to line up with whatever is, is, is what we want to see happen in society. So with all of that, I want to bring some things that I want you to think about as a church. Genesis 1 teaches that God creates everything. God says that it's good. 
For ancient Israel, this is an incredible idea that they are brought out of, uh, of, of everything. Think about this for a second. Imagine you're a culture that's brought out from every other culture, but God says that every culture is good, and every culture has, has creation stories, but the biblical story of creation does something different. Think about this. The biblical creation, the story of creation says that God created everything and that everything came from what? Nothing. That only God can take something from nothing. So no matter where you live, the, the, the ancient Israelites had this story from the very beginning, and it was through them that the story gets passed down. When we get to Genesis 9, God makes a covenant with Noah. He says, he says to every living creature, and then he makes, in, 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 in Job and Psalms, he makes the, 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 the point that God's personal delight is in animals and the things that he's created, and that he, that he vividly over and over tells how he creates things. God loves life. So much so when Jonah goes to Nineveh and he wants to not preach the, 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 of, of repentance, God tells him, do you see how many people there don't know the difference between the left and the right? Do you see how, how, many, how much livestock they have? God places value in his creation. So even with man being at the top of his creation, God is, is concerned about everything that he makes. We are supposed to be good stewards of what God has given us. So why do, what do we do with the fact that human life is different than other life? Well, we know he says that we're made in the image of God. And so this is the distinction. So Matthew Henry, a, commentary, a commentator from a long time ago, he says this, that man was made in the image of God and after his likeness, two words to express the same thing, making it more expressive, that it's met, we are made in the image and the likeness means that we are the likest image, the closest resemblance, the nearest resemblance of any of the visible creatures. God's image upon man consists of three things, his nature and his constitution, his place and authority, and his purity and rectitude. God also gave the man and woman dominion over every living thing on earth. So why is life important? Because out of everything that God created in those six days, who are the ones that show who God is the closest? Us. That's a tall order. Everything we do, everything we look like, everything that we are, to everything else in creation, this is the closest that anyone will ever be able to see, okay, this is what God is like. Because of our authority, because of the way we're made, because of, of what he placed in, we are the ones that bear the image of God. And so someone who bears the image of God, it, it is safe to say that in the womb, someone is already bearing the image of God. According to Jeremiah the prophet, that before we were even born, God knew who we were, that he knew the number of hairs on our head. Even before we were even thought of, we are beginning to bear the image of God. And so when we look at our neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, who's getting upset again because we didn't cut our grass, he's made in the image of God. Our, our little kid who decides once again that he doesn't want to eat his dinner but wants to have donuts is made in the image of God. Our coworker who believes a completely different religion that's, that is so blasphemous to what the Bible says is made in the image of God. 
Our neighbors, our friends who live a lifestyle's alternate of what the Word of God says and are part of the LGBTQ plus community, they're made in the image of God. And so this is bigger than just the unborn child. The way we treat every human soul has to go under the microscope of the fact that they are made in the image of God. Are they sinners? Yes, because of Adam and Eve, not because of a faulty creation system. We are made in the image of God. And so the only thing that you have to remember is that you were made in the image of God and you are, you are as wicked and rotten as your neighbor was until you met Jesus. And the only reason why you're not wicked and rotten is because you know Jesus. You still are wicked and rotten on your own. You're not better than anyone. That's one of the biggest issues that we have as believers is that we have this spiritual elitism about us that we are better than people. We are not. We've come to Jesus, and so this is why we now value life. Life is important. Life matters to God. He created us differently, and we have to see everyone like that. He's given us dominion over everything on the earth, and so we have to be good stewards of what God has given us. But I want you to think about this in the New Testament. I want us to turn to James. Turn to James chapter 3. If you have a copy of the Word of God, I'll read it for us. James chapter 3, and I want you to read what, what James writes. This is one of the, new, the, the earliest books of the New Testament. James chapter 3. And verses 9 and 10. With the tongue, the Bible says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in what? God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these are not the way things should be. So what is one of the main reasons why we don't Curse people? Why should we speak people with blessings instead of uh, cursings? Why should we try to, be, to, have to live at peace with all men? Why are we gracious? Why do we say what we say that's seasoned with salt? Why? Because people are made in the image of God. The way we treat other people has to have this principle behind it. They are made in the image of God. And this should help us understand that sin and brokenness do not negate the fact that we are still the image, bear the image of God. So, so if someone has wronged you, if someone has completely just rolled you over the coals, if someone has stolen from you, when we speak to them, we still speak to them as they are what? Made in the image of God. People, people deserve dignity even when they're not dignified in their actions. That's what believers do. Because the, James makes it clear, the way that we bless people, the way that we curse people, the way that we curse people, he says things should not be this way. And he calls us brothers and sisters. He's talking to believers. We must remember that people are made in the image of God and we treat them that way. Every, because every human life has dignity. This is what it means to be biblically pro-life, that we know that life, human life, has dignity because it's made in the image of God. And Jesus did this very well. He erased all distinctions, everything that would, that would isolate people. He took away the distinction of age and gender and nationality 
nationality and race and ability. The Bible says in Matthew 19, Jesus welcomed children. He, remember, he rejects all the social norms. He talks to tax collectors and sinners. He goes into the crowds and reaches people with, with disabilities. He talks to people and he reaches people who are suffering from disease. He even in John chapter 4 talks to a foreigner that has a different religion. Jesus pays special attention to people. Why? Because life matters to Jesus. No matter where they're from, life matters to Jesus. And so we have to protect the ones that can't protect themselves, but we also have to love the ones that do everything wrong to us as well. Because life matters. The Old Testament, the, the, the ones that Jesus calls, calls the law and the prophets, these portions of Scripture, Jesus repeatedly says the same thing, and he, and he quotes what God says, that God is not pleased when there are people that are vulnerable in society that aren't cared for. Uh, wealth, and what was most of the judging in the Old Testament was against kings and rich people, because what would they do? They would neglect, they would, they would occupy, they would take from the poor, they would take from the vulnerable. You know, you think about... Um, Everything that we sing about God and about how he loves and how he cares. But if we're not aligning ourselves with God's principles about life being important at all stages, we're really not truly worshiping God. So as we, as we do our best to make sure that we protect the unborn, what do we do to worship God with those of us who are around right now? How do we speak to people who are made in the image of God? How do we treat them? How do we reach them with the gospel? Have, let me ask you just a very personal question. How many people have you written off in your life because they've wronged you? How many people don't we talk to now in our life that we've just said, you know what, to heck to them because they, they treated me this way, forgetting the fact that we are the closest thing that people see to what God actually is? How many lives have we written off because we don't have this principle of life mattering. Life, souls, relationships matter to God. You think about what has become the light, lightning rod issues and what we've been through. And, and the thing is that, that, I, that I think we have to be very careful as, as believers is that this was a huge issue. This was a huge decision that the Supreme Court made. It is massive, but the work is not done. You guys understand that, right? Where, where I come from, that's just going to become the tri-state uh, hotspot for people to travel to in order to do what they can't do in other states. It's not over. And what we now have to figure out is as a church, what do we do to support those who are doing the work in order to, to help women who are going through this issue, those who are in crisis, those who have made a bad decision biblically? How do we come alongside them and show them that there's still forgiveness in Jesus? Now, now that we may be a, one of the states that has uh, heartbeat laws, what are we going to do to support places like the crisis pregnancy centers and young women who, who now you know, understand that life is important? How do we walk out on the ice with other people to show them that we bear the image of God and they do as well, and so we partner to keep life safe? How do we do that? What do we do when one of our family members or our friends or people that may walk inside these doors and don't have the same conviction that we do? How do we treat them? How do we show them what the Bible says in a loving way? How do we, every moment of our life, 
in our personal lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, and in the lives of our community share that life matters to God. So the only, the only question I really have for you this morning is this. Does the fact that life matters to God, in, in a really big sense, because that, those are some big words, God values life. How do you now then extrapolate that to our personal level? And how do we say, okay, if life matters to God, the question is this, does life matter to me? Do human souls matter to me? Whether not just the unborn, the vulnerable that we need to protect, but what about those that we see every day passing through? Do those lives matter also to you? Because they matter to God. Are we bearing the image of God and, and treating people as also being image bearers of God? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. As the worship team comes, I just want you to think. It's not time for us as believers to, to stand back and, and gloat in a victory. or It's not even time for us to think about, well, you know, well, that's done. What's the next issue? No, there's a lot of work to be done still. Because we still have to understand and we still have to teach and proclaim the truth that life matters. God.